This morning, we'll be studying, be learning uh, another picture, another uh, illustration, another uh, clear-cut picture of what an authentic Christian would look like. So authentic Christians love God and not the world. Authentic Christians love God and not the world. Shall we start with a short prayer? Let's commit this time to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to praise you and worship you together with our brothers and sisters. Thank you for calling us and for inviting us in your house, in your home, in this body, in this church. And Lord, today as we study, as we listen, as we meditate, as we reflect, as we chew on your words, unveil, remove the scales that blocks our spiritual eyes our spiritual hearing, our spiritual understanding. Allow us, Lord, uh, to understand your words today and help us apply this in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So how do I, who do I love? Do I love God or do I love the world? So this is the question we will try to answer right now. Last Sunday, the question for us, the take-home assignment that we are to answer is, do I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? So today, whom do I love the most? Do I love God or do I love the world? So next please. So there is this uh, a short uh, a book or, or an article written by A.W. Pink on the exposition of First John. And he gave us some questions that we can ask ourselves to evaluate whether we love the world or we love the Father. So let's uh, try answering these questions now. So is it God or the world that we love? So first question, which do you seek more often? So which do you seek more often? The wealth and honors of the world or the riches of grace and the approval of God? Do we seek the approval of men or the approval of God? Okay, second question. Which have the greater attraction? So, saan daw tayo mostly na-attract? The pleasures of the world which are temporary or only for a season or pleasures at God's right hand? which are for eternity. Are we more attracted to the things that are uh, easy and that are, are temporal? Or are we attracted to things that are eternal? Third question, wherein lies your confidence? Where do we find our confidence? Is it in the money that we have in our bank? Or if there, are, there is money in our bank account? Or investments? Or in the living and faithful God who has promised to supply all our needs. So where does our confidence lie? And another question goes like this. Which causes the deeper sorrow? Alin daw po yung nalulungkot tayo, nagbibigay kalungkutan. Deepest causes deeper sorrow. A temporal loss of something or someone or a break in your fellowship with God. A break with your relationship, fellowship with God. And then another question, upon which do you get more joy? Spending money for personal comforts and luxuries or spending money to further the gospel? So when, when, when an accountant now would look at our budget 
for the day, for the week, or for the year, which part of, or which part yung most ng budget natin went into gospel, to the kingdom of God. No? So in a, in a pie graph, which part has the biggest take? Where do we spend most our money? How about our time? Where or when do we spend most of our time? How about our skills, our talents, our, our resources, our gifts? Where do we spend these things? And then, finally, what most dominates your mind? What dominates your mind? What consumes your mind? Thoughts and schemes after worldly advancements or resolutions and efforts to grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord. So what dominates our mind? God or the world? So today, let me submit to you the first point that authentic Christians do not love the world nor the things in the world. In verse 15, as we have read a while ago, John, the Apostle John, reminded the readers and us this morning that we are to not love the world nor the things in the world. Recently, our children, uh, at least two of our children, we challenged them uh, every day to learn and enrich their vocabulary. So we challenged them that every day they are to learn a new word. So they will look up this word in a dictionary, they will write down the definition, and they will put it in a sentence. So they will understand uh, better. So uh, English teachers would usually call this as semantics. Uh, semantics, panang dami kung alam. But it's just, uh, no, it's just a study of the meaning of words and the phrases. And uh, they, are su- they were surprised na some words, although they are, they are the same, no? so, some words will have different meanings. Like, for example, uh, the hand. The hand. So, when you say, give me a hand, you're not talking of you. You cut off one of your hands and then you give it to someone and so you give your hand. So, it means you provide help. So, it also means direction or side. Like, on one hand, uh, I, I do this. But on other hand, I also do not do this. So, you have to uh, separate directions. So when you also say hand, uh, it's, it also pertains to the physical hand. So you wash your hands, you take care of your hands, and sometimes it also may mean comfort. Like in Metrobank, you are in good hands. No? At least your money, perhaps, uh, in, in, is in good hands. So, so it's not the literal hand of the manager or the owner or the tellers, no? but it's the idea that it is a place of comfort. So you can sleep no? knowing that your, your money is in good hands. So uh, words have uh, this, the different meanings. And so here, the word here that we are to learn is the word world. So it came from the, the root word cosmos where we get the cosmos, the cosmopolitan. And so, uh, at least in our study, by the way, John used this, wrote about the world, more or less, I think, as I have read, as I recall, 101 times. So 77 of which he used in, the, in his gospel, the remaining 23 in the first John, and then another one in uh, his second letter. 
And so, uh, he wrote most of the word world in his writings. And so, what does this world mean? So that we'll be able to understand better in the context. So, first, the world may mean the whole universe. As God, the Father, created all the universe, and through Christ, everything was created, and we're created. So, it's the whole universe, the order of everything, the heavens, the stars, the moon, the sun, the planets, and, and even our world. So, it, the idea is it's in order. So, that's where we get the word cosmetics, cosmo cosmetics. So, when you're putting on, ladies, your cosmetics, you are putting order in your face. Uh, I'm not saying that it is in disorder, but uh, you're at least putting some order in it. Okay. Another meaning is the earth, uh, where we live in. So this is the man's, this is our dwelling place. So this, this is where the, 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 the trees grow, the flowers bloom, uh, and, and this is where we, we live. So, uh, of course, uh, Jesus Christ came to live and dwell amongst us in this world in this earth. And then third uh, meaning would be the fallen creation. So there are two sides of this. First would be the fallen creation, the dwelling place of sinful, sinful people like us, where, where the, 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 the boss, where the leader, where the, the authority is none other than Satan. Uh, but there's also another side of this, which is the sinful people whom God Loves. In John 3.16, John wrote, For God so loved the world. Not just the universe, not just the earth where man dwells in, but the people, the fallen creation, the, the, the sinful people. And so, last Sunday, we talked about Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He is the atoning sacrifice for the world. It's not only for us, but it's for the whole world, meaning for all sinful people. But there's another side of this, the, what we call as the, the evil. No, it's the, the, the evil, the ungodly system of this world. So here, on one end, we are to love the world like the Father loves the world, the sinful people, but on here, in, in this particular passage, we are to not love the world, the system, the ungodly, the evil system where, where the evil one is in authority. And so that's the context of this passage. So we are not to love this world. Next, please. We are not to love this world. In John chapter 1, verse 10, we can read there uh, at least the three different definitions or meanings of the word world. So, first, he was in the world, pertaining to Christ, as the incarnate Christ, he was in the world. So, he lived with us, that's earth. And then, and the world was made through him. So, that's the whole universe, uh, through the word, to the spoken word, uh, to the breath of, of the Father. And the world, which pertains now to the fallen creation, the dwelling place of sinful people, as the world that did not know him. So those are the three different uh, meanings of the world. And so next, please. So it's now easy to understand that the world that we are not to love, nor the things in the world that we are not to love, are the evil, the ungodly system of the fallen creation and the sinful people that captures our heart, the system 
that captures our heart, the ungodly system, the evil system that captures our heart, that, that even corrupts our mind, our body, and strength, and consumes our soul. So this is the world that we are not to love. Next, please. And so, uh, furthermore, he would also qualify that the things in the world would be the following. In verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So we'll spend a little uh, more time on this. First is the lust of the flesh, not the desires of the flesh. So what is this lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh? This is the, these are the strong desires of our fallen nature. Once we were saved, our sins were forgiven. But our sinful nature remains. And so that's our tendency to sin, to disobey, to disregard God. And so this is the strong desire of our fallen nature, which includes sexual immorality, sensual immorality, you know, and activities that stems from self-seeking. So that's the key word, self-seeking. So these are the things that we desire, Hey, related to our being uh, sinful, and so we tend to, 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 to desire these things and do these things that are self-seeking. Oh, that is the God godless nature that we are born with, the lust of the flesh. Hey, the second would be the lust of the eyes. So the lust of the eyes pertains to the desires, the sinful desires of greed and covetousness. So these two, the lust of the flesh, and the last of the eyes, these are the things that we don't have. And so we desire them because we don't have this. So we want that which we don't have, but which others may have. So if you see someone being powerful, oh, I want also to be powerful. So you desire, strongly desire for power. And someone who is uh, rich, maybe, or who is, uh, let's say, who has many uh, uh, earthly resources, so we desire those things as well. And these desires stem from false and superficial values. So that's the lust of the eyes. And third would be the boastful pride of life. In some Bible translations, possessions. So the boastful pride of life is the sinful pride over what this time we have. So the first two, flesh and the eyes, what we don't have. Here, what we have. That's why the middle letter in the word pride is I. The same middle letter in the word sin, which is I. So that's me, myself, and I. So everything that I have, I, I boast on it. I lift them up so that I will gain glory for myself and for my accomplishment. So that's the, those are the boastful pride of life. And now, as we, uh, as I... I remembered while reading on this, uh, it reminded me of the temptation that Eve had when she was tempted by uh, the serpent with Satan entering the, the serpent. And so on that particular passage in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 to 8, when the woman saw that the tree was what? Good for food. Sarap, no? Sarap kainin, no? It's a, it's a, it talks about the flesh. It's, it talks about the, the, the desires the, of, of, of the body, of the flesh. It's good for food. And then, 
it was also a delight to the eyes. The lust of the eyes was good, appealing, and it... What's your favorite fruit, by the way? Uh, banana? Uh, and then you scratch your head? Uh, what else? Apple? Uh, maybe for some, fruit salad. No? Para safe. Fruit salad. Oh, yung iba, ano lang, gulay lang. Ah, sige, so the boastful pride of life would be when he, she saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Wow, I'll be like God. So I know something, uh, I have wisdom, but I will be like God, knowing good and evil. So I will be perfect, I will be like God. Uh, uh, it's a desire next to, be, uh, to, to make one wise. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus also experienced the same tempting. In Luke chapter 4, uh, we recall Satan was tempted personally by Satan himself. So in those, uh, that's why some, many, many Bible, Bible scholars call this as the trinity of sin. <laughs> These are the, the process of sin. These are the, the three steps of, of sin. Uh, the lust of flesh, the lust of eyes, and the boastful pride of possession or life. And so here, uh, in the first part, Remember, Jesus was fasting. Huh? He fasted for 40 days. And so he was so hungry like, like a human, a normal human would feel. And so Satan tells Jesus, Oh, you're powerful, you're God. You can miraculously change the stones into bread. Huh? Turning the stones into bread. Huh? So that will gratify your hunger, your flesh, your 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 gustatory your stomach intestine desires and so you can do this and then second he he would show jesus uh, the the whole kingdom of the earth and offered to give it to him if he would worship satan and so look at this kingdom this whole earth uh, that it will be yours if you just bow down and worship me that's the last of the eyes, seeing the kingdom. And then finally, the boastful pride of life. You know, you are, you are God and you have your angels and you can always command them to help you. Uh, so if you jump off this cliff, this mountain, this, this, the pinnacle of the temple, you know, the, the angels will catch you and they fly you and you will be like Superman. And uh, see, you are so powerful. That's pride of life. Now, the Apostle Paul would most also talk about this in Romans chapter 1, the sins, and also in Ephesians chapter 5. So just to complement what John would talk about, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, he, uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. It should not even be talked about, named. And there, there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of things. And there are more, many more passages, especially in Romans chapter 1, that would uh, explain and, and in detail talk about this three desires, these three lusts. And so as I was studying more and, and further reading about this, this is what the Lord has impressed and given to me. And I'd like to share this, this principle with you. And even if this is the only thing that you would learn today, 
I'm, I'll be happy, but God will be more happy. So look at this. Let's read together. One, two, three, go. Worldliness makes sin look normal and okay, and righteousness as weird, strange, abnormal, and not okay. So worldliness would make us look at sin as something that is normal or okay because everybody is doing it. Everybody is engaged in in premarital sex, as you see in the in the in the TV, in the movies. No, it's okay to be involved uh, outside uh, the bond, the bounds of marriage. It's okay to lie. It's okay to cheat in the classroom, in your school. It's okay. Everybody's doing it, so it's normal and it's okay. So it's it's okay to 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 sin, to lie, and to 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 hurt other people's feelings. And so worldliness makes you look at these things as something that is normal and that is okay. And on the flip end, it would make righteousness or show that righteousness as something that is weird or strange and abnormal and not okay. So mas mas okay yung ano yung uh, yung ganito. It's normal yung sin versus to be righteous. So sometimes uh, if you if you happen to to do the right thing, di ba? People will even misjudge you and they will often reject you and they will often look low and bad upon you. And so worldliness makes sin look normal and righteousness as weird. So we are to shun away. We are to, to, to not to, to, to be part of, of this system, this evil and this ungodly system. Next, please. And so, uh, why? Why are we not to love the world and not the things of this world? This is the, the, the key, you know, the, the why of it. Well, the Apostle John gives us at least three reasons. Number one, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father. It could also be understood as your love for the Father is not real. No, it's, it's not there. It's, it's, it's absent. In short, you don't love the Father because you cannot love the Father and love the world at the same time. Jesus alluded to this when he said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and wealth. So you need to let go. You need to choose, take off, put off your, your other love. And so we cannot love the Father and the world together. It's either you really love the Father or you really love the world. So even if you say, I love the Father, I, I love God, I go to church, I, I, I pray, etc., etc., you do religious things, but if it is not manifested in your life, then we may be lying and deceiving ourselves. Second, we don't love the world and the things of the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but it is from the world. So we can clearly know if we really have a relationship with the Father and if we really are His children or if we are children of this world. And finally, third reason, the world is passing away and also its lusts. The world is passing away. It's temporary. So even if you 
have gained the world, at the end of your life, it will be useless and nothing and worthless to us. So even if you gain the whole world, at the end of the day, at the end of the life, it's like wind, it's like air that you cannot even hold and touch. So it becomes useless and worthless. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Contrasts. Loving the Father, loving God, and loving the world. So, whom do you love? Do you love God or do you love the world? Now, the key in understanding, I believe, the application for this is in verses 12 to 14. It is written in verse 12, I am writing to you little children. So remember, the John is, is in his prime age talking to, to, to little children as endearment, as, as his form of affection, not to put them lower, but to talk about, uh, to, to, to talk to, to all the, the, the children because he's, he's maybe he's, perhaps because he's older and he is more mature. So he, he writes to little children, which includes you and me, all of us, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. That's the key. Our sins are forgiven. And then further in verse 13, I'm rewriting to you, fathers. Ah, maybe you are a little mature in your faith. You're a father, you're a mother, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, who are young, maybe in faith, because you have overcome the evil one. And then he repeats again, I have written to you this time, children, because you know the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are. This is the key. Next, please. Okay, he talks about you are strong, and then the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You are strong. Uh, yes, on one end, we have this 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 idea that we are broken, that we are frail, that we are weak. But the Bible also says that we are strong. And this strength doesn't come from our own strength. It comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It is given to us the moment we put our faith in God, the moment we repent of our sins and put our faith in God. So God gives to us the power the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we, you, and I, we are strong. So you say to someone sitting beside you, brother, sister, you are strong. Yes. And you can, you can fight. You can fight off this desire in your flesh, in your eyes, and the boastful pride of life with the strength that comes from God Himself. You are strong. And then He also says, the Word of God abides in you. The Word of God here may, may mean the gospel. The Word of God, the assurance, the Word of God abides in you. You have the Word of God. You know how Jesus how he was able to fight off the temptation of Satan by the word of God. 
Word of God abides in you. And third, you have overcome the evil one. What does that mean? You have overcome the evil one. So the moment you repent of your sins and you trusted God authentically, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you have overcome already the evil one just as Christ overcame. He has defeated death on the cross Brothers and sisters, if you need encouragement today, let this be the encouragement from the Lord that you are strong and that the Word of God is in us and with us and we have already overcome like Christ, the evil one. And so as an application, we are to strive. Some people would, would, would contest or debate maybe that word is something negative. But for me, it's something positive. Striving. Striving to love God and not the world. What is, what's more, what is, what is better? Doing something, striving for something, or doing nothing at all? Yesterday, I received a referral of a patient who is 50-50, dying from severe internal bleeding. So we found out from a CT scan, there was this liver mass that is bleeding. And so uh, he's, he entered the emergency room pale with blood pressure going down, heart beating fast, and so he was dying. So I talked to the relatives. It's either we do nothing and just allow your relative, your loved one, your father bleed to death and do nothing. Or we operate on him. Uh, we put packing to just put pressure, direct pressure on the area where the bleeding is and then immediately close and then uh, just do something so that we can more or less minimize or lessen the bleeding. So what's your choice? So they choose to do something rather than to be passive. So we are to strive. We are to strive to love God and not the world. And let me share with you this morning how to strive. You know how to fight the desires of the flesh, of the eyes, and of the boastful pride of life? How can we fight it? We fight desire with desire. Of course, in fire, you fight fire with water. Or uh, we have uh, someone who is in fire here, no? fire extinguisher. But we fight desire, listen, with desire as well. So let's say, let's say your desire, the desire of your eyes, your flesh would be drunkenness. Also, you desire every day to drink alcohol, 10%, 15%, 100%, rubbing alcohol. As long as there's alcohol in it, so you desire for this. You know how to fight that desire? You fight it with also desire. Desire to what? Desire not to. Or desire to drink water instead of alcohol or coffee or juice, which is more nutritious. So you fight desire with desire. Let's say your, your, your desire, your sinful desire is to watch something, pornography in the internet, in the in. In, in, in the social media. No? So that's your desire. You fight it off with the desire not to. Uh, instead of watching pornography, maybe uh, I'll watch Christian movies. 
instead of listening to this mga ano mga not putting ano a brand no, on the on these rock songs no, on these ungodly songs why not listen and put this desire of listening to godly christian songs instead of desiring for friends who are ungodly why not desire to befriend them not for you to be to be the same like them or to be influenced by them but to influence them so we fight desire the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the desires of the boastful pride of life we strive to fight this off with desires so if you happen to desire the world you fight it off with the desire to love God and to please God and to serve God fight the desires the sinful desires with godly desires second would be to obey God and his word obey God in his word we have this word and we can use his word to fight those desires what would God want me or wills for me to do and then you obey it you obey them you obey God you obey his word now, last part we are not to be an antichrist. Anti means some, someone or something that is against or opposition or in placement of. Uh, so instead of Christ being the Lord or master of your life, it is you who is the Lord and the master of your life. So you are an antichrist. So an antichrist, look at an antichrist. Who is an antichrist? Children, it is the last hour. It's a long last hour. And the moment, the time that, that Apostle John wrote at this time, and then when Christ comes, that's the last hour. It's a long last hour. And just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. So the problem during the time of John is the same problem that we have right now today. From this, we know that it is the last hour. Next. They went, all, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. What does this mean? It means that the, the deceivers, those who, are, who are, uh, are trying to deceive them, are, were members maybe of their church or their congregation or their body. And so they went out from us, and they were not really from us, for it, if they are with us, they should have remained with us. So you look at each other right now and memorize the faces. Maybe next week you, you may not see them anymore, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that they are not with us. Maybe they just went somewhere for a vacation. Okay, let me, let me say to you that the Antichrist. The Antichrist, oh, by the way, it's the only uh, word that was used in the New Testament. It's the, the only time. Okay, the Antichrist doesn't, doesn't have a 666 here in the forehead you know, with a tattoo, you know, the, the Satan and the, the, the evil. And he's not uh, wearing uh, or, or, or sporting a long hair. And he's saying, do not believe in Christ. Look at the next, let, let, let's look at the, the, the meaning of Antichrist. But you have the anointing of the Holy One, and you all know. Yeah, forward, forward. Okay, forward. 
uh, let's define who is an antichrist. Is the liar, but the one who denies that Jesus is Christ. This is the antichrist, the one who denies the Father and Son. This is a person who doesn't come to you and say to you that Jesus is not the Christ, and then he appears like an antichrist. But he may appear like one of us. No tattoos, wearing decent clothes, maybe soft-spoken. He was with them, right? remember? They were, they were from us and with us. And now they have their own sect and then now they have their own cult and now they have their own group and they're proclaiming, they're saying that Jesus is not the Christ. They deny that Jesus is the Messiah. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. So he, he, that person may not be that, that, that rock star looking person and saying, don't believe in God. He could be someone as kind as us, as he or she was part of us. And that's what the, John was saying here. And so who is this Antichrist? The person who denies the Father and the Son. Next, please. 23. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let us be careful. This, this may serve as a warning for us as well that if someone tells us that Jesus is just man or Jesus is not the Messiah or Jesus is not the Savior and He is just a prophet, then let us be careful and maybe run away from them. Or maybe influence them and make them believe that Jesus is really the Son of God as was written in the Word. Next, please. And so, as for you, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. What you heard from the beginning abides in you. You also will abide in the Son and in the Father. 25 is the promise which He Himself made to us eternal life. We'll talk about more on this on the last Sunday of April. You know, there are three pictures there are three signs that we can know that we are authentic our christian faith our christianity is authentic number one we talked about that last sunday authentic christians have a real relationship with jesus christ that's called the theological sign that you are an authentic christian the second is if you obey god and his word that's the moral sign the third I will share it next Sunday. No, so I come here next Sunday and I will share it to you. I cannot give everything to you. Our time is short. Our time is limited. And you may not come back next Sunday. So if you know, want to know more about, especially the third sign of an authentic Christian, come back here next Sunday and we'll talk about that. So let's move on from here. The these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Okay, as for you, the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you. So, uh, Apostle John is now talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is our help. Uh, he, he will teach us. The Holy Spirit will teach us. And His anointing teaches you about all these things. And it's true and it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. So, we remain in Him. 28. Now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame and his coming. And in the last verse, he would say, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. So you will know if you are a child 
of God, if you are born of God, if you practice righteousness. And so as an application, as I close, let us follow Christ. Let us abide in Him. You know, the word abide means to remain. It means to follow, not to be Christ-like. That's why the, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 will also uh, write on this and will also compliment John by saying, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God and walk in love. How? Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Just as Christ. You know what, what Christ-likeness is? Christ-likeness is when you wake up in the morning and then you say, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? What's your will? I want to do it, I want to do this, I want to speak, I want to think, I want to act like you. Worldliness, on the other hand, says in the morning, how can I gratify myself? How can I enrich myself? How can I, 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 a life that is centered on the self? And the second application would be to make him known. You know, if we are passive in sharing Christ or sharing that Jesus is the Savior, He's the answer, He's the key, He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So if we fail, if we don't, if we don't share, if we, we don't make this known, then indirectly, maybe we are also an antichrist. For we are denying, we're not saying we are not sharing, we are not making known that He is the Savior and He is life. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon we'll continue and we'll have the second session in our evangelism workshop. It's entitled, Sharing Your Faith in Simple Ways. So at 2 p.m. if you're available, we want to invite you and challenge you to come here so we can learn together on how we can share the gospel on how we can make Christ known. And we will not be passive, and we will not deny that Jesus is the Christ, but instead we'll be able to proclaim and share and tell of who Jesus is, especially to those whom we care for and whom we love. So may we invite you this afternoon to learn together for two hours, two to four uh, kindly register because there's also uh, snacks so we'll have a head count and also tomorrow starting tomorrow monday until saturday we'll have vacation bible school so this is an opportunity for us as a church to make christ known to children ages 4 to 12. we have the youth camp for 13 okay, and, and up to 18 and for those uh, who love music uh, wants to learn about music we also have uh, a, a day of training and equipping for that. But tomorrow, if you may consider, you can invite children ages 4 to 12 years old to come over here and we'll, we'll, we'll share to them who Christ is. And brothers and sisters, you have an opportunity to be part of it. That's the best thing. You can be part of it. How? Number one, you can come here and help. Yeah, you can help. Do you love kids? you have children? You want to bantai them and to, uh, no, to, 
to teach them. So you can come here and you can take care of them and you can serve them. May, may merienda time, during merienda time, you can serve them, you can help them out in the arts and crafts. So you, you can help them directly or you can pray for them or you can support. They, they still have, I think, some needs for the, the Vacation Bible School. So you can be part of this. You can be part of making Christ known. You can come here and share the gospel to them directly or you can help the church to share the gospel to these kids. So let me invite some of our kids to come over here and personally present to you and invite you as well.